0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. In this episode, I'm welcoming Joanna Lilly back to the show. If you're a loyal listener, you might remember Joanna from episode 33 titled Transitioning from Parent to Partner. If you missed that episode, I highly recommend checking it out. It's packed full of great information to help parents transition to a new dynamic as teens and young adults move on after high school. Today, Joanna and I talk about what to do when your college student returns home, and I'm not talking about after graduation. They might be leaving college for academic reasons, mental health reasons, or something else, but no matter the reason, there are important steps that parents can take to help their kids get back on track. During our conversation, Joanna provides helpful tips on how to set healthy boundaries with your young adult children why a plan and a timeline are critical for success, and where to find alternatives to college that are the right fit for your young adult. As always, Joanna is a wealth of information and resources, so let's get started. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Hey, Joanna, thanks so much for coming back and being a guest again on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Betsy. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's a tough topic to talk about, um, as they usually are when you and I talk, (laughs) but um, a necessary one, I think. We're going to talk about when your child, although they're a young adult, when they leave college, um, whether they drop out take a leave of absence, fail, um, whatever the reason might be for them leaving college. And I know you have a lot of experience around that, and we'll get to that. But before we do, um, you're back for the second time. You were with me for episode 33, which I can't believe is like over 30 episodes ago. Boy, did time fly. Um, When we talked about transitioning from parent to partner, which was such a helpful conversation. So listeners, if you missed that one, go back to episode 33 for that, because that's a big, big topic to talk about when your young person is flying the coop, whether it's to go to college or wherever they're going. Um, But before we get going, Joanna, why don't you just give a quick intro about who you are and what you do for my listeners?
1: Absolutely. So my title is therapeutic educational consultant. My expertise is working with college age young people and essentially, oh, you kind of hit the nail on the head already, uh, Betsy. I work with young people that are in transition, whether that's they're launching into adulthood and they're not they're not necessarily college bound, whether they've launched and they've unraveled or whether they have managed to muddle all the way through college like whether it's limping along or, or actually graduating with flying colors and then they're just struggling in the work world. So parents contact me Because they are not sure what's going on. It can be kind of anywhere on that spectrum of crisis to somebody being in detox and being hospitalized to the very end of that very small spectrum being, hey, we don't really know what's going on and we just need to piece together some kind of local or outpatient level supports. And then obviously everything in between. So that is the work that I do. And as you can imagine right now, during the pandemic, uh, my, my business is definitely, um, flooded.
0: Mm. Yeah. That puts a whole new layer of, of complexity on Mm -hmm. top of the issues that you're seeing. And you said, you said, and all, all things in between, which I'm sure that list is enormous, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, where to begin? So let's start with what happens. So a parent, And I know there's lots of different scenarios, right? But a parent comes to you and says, my child is not – not failure to launch, as you call it. They're not doing Mm -hmm. well. They're not transitioning well. Let's start with high school to college, right? So they may have been a good student, a strong student academically and socially in high school, and off they go to college, and it all falls apart. Does that typically happen in freshman year, or can it really be any time?
1: It can really be any time. It can be within the first weekend, of landing in their college residence or it could be literally the winter break of their in quote senior year or anything in between um it de- it really depends and it depends on what that young person is struggling with have they been hiding their academic performance from their family for a really long time and the weight of those lies all of a sudden it just it it makes them crack under pressure Uh, Or is it something as significant as sexual assault or death in the family or substance abuse? I mean, you name it. uh, It could be any reason why somebody all of a sudden is not doing well.
0: Okay. And before they really hit that, that breaking point, are there things that parents can look for or see in their, their young, young adult that they didn't see before that maybe might give them a tip that something's not right?
1: I think on the there's a, there's a couple things actually I want to answer this one on the proactive end if you know we're talking about them launching into higher ed if they have had this building pressure of you are a very smart person right so there's almost this opportunity for kind of self doubt the seed planted of there's so much pressure on me I have to succeed um, if that is mounting. Um, if parents have seen them struggle with anxiety and depression, if they've been hospitalized in high school because of the stress, I think it's really important to identify college is not going anywhere. And if they've been admitted to a grade school, great, defer so that they can actually grow up a little bit so they can take the pressure off. And then that way, when they actually step foot on campus, it doesn't feel like this continuation of a pressure cooker. Because that is why you see a lot of young people very quickly, um, you know, like I said, that first weekend, seven days, seven weeks into the first semester, um, they're struggling. They're struggling because A, they don't feel like they fit in. B, they're struggling with making connections. And you think about it right now, it's super, super hard. Although I want to give a shout out to every institution of higher education because I know they are doing the best that they possibly can to encourage socialization but how do you do that safely, right? Mm. From a traditional college connection standpoint, um, it's just, it's not there. Yeah. Um, so anything kind of in that arena. But then the second thing I was going to say is from that perspective, if you're asking this, is, I love this one. Um, and maybe, maybe you'll cut it out. I don't know. But I always get it where the parents are, they're so blindly trusting that their young person is okay. So then when they check in they're you know, and when I say blindly trusting, it's a, we don't feel like we need to see your grades, which realistically you don't, but if you're paying, that's a whole other conversation in itself. Um, We can go down that road if you want to talk about that, Betsy. But what I'm, what I, my favorite thing is when parents just check in with their kid when they're a college student. Hey, how are things going? And the response is I'm fine. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. We have to ask more because how are things going? Right. Or how are you? It's such a, Automated response and it's a mask for really what's going on. And so I like to tell parents that fine is actually an acronym that stands for effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> so if, if you've got a college student who says, "Yeah, college is fine," right? To me, that's like a ticking time bomb. When is this young person going to completely unravel? Um, and it's probably not going to look pretty when it happens. So really digging in to identify like who are you connecting with. How is living on campus? Which class is your favorite? What are you learning? You have to ask these open-ended questions to really dig in, because if we're only saying, hey, how are things going? Or we're just leaving it up to your kid to contact you and and fill you in, all you're going to hear is... A lot of the negative pieces, right? Again, where it's it's being fueled by the self doubt of like I'm I don't belong here I shouldn't be here um, I'm not making connections I don't like this and it's it's pretty common actually with any transition for somebody to really second guess mm. that that change. Uh, but for somebody who's kind of quiet in that arena, you just parents you have to ask questions. How how's it really going? Yeah, I think it's true even in high school
0: now. You know, I think. Oh, sure. When I ask my kids how it's going, same. I can't just ask them, "How's your day? How was school today?" Fine, boring. I'm over it. You know, (laughs) get those one word answers. So I think it's true. So I I don't want to cut this out. I want to talk about this because I think we talked about this in the last episode when I interviewed you about that transition from parent to partner. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but you did just talk Mm -hmm. about what are you kind of entitled to as a parent, or what's what's that boundary for how much you can check in or you know dig into what your kid's doing? And I agree with you. If I'm paying, I want to see your grades, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you set that healthy boundary so you can kind of keep on top of how they're doing, not just academically, but in general, but also not have them feel like you're helicoptering?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, All they have to do as a student is log in and kind of check that FERPA box, which just Mm. means that you as a parent get access to their educational information. Uh, What I don't support and I want to be clear is as a parent, you do not have your child's college login information. That is when you have crossed the line because that is when you are then potentially it's a slippery slope emailing professors on behalf of your kid because you're actually challenging their grades. Again, it's just, it's an overstep. Uh, Having that that FERPA box checked just means that at the end of each semester, you can log in and see their grades. So if you're the type of parent that has constantly been checking where they are with every test, with every assignment at the high school level, I'm going to encourage you to take a giant step back when they go to college especially if you were that involved during high school, it's going to be really important, most likely for your child to actually be connected to additional supports on campus, whether that's related to executive functioning. And what I mean by that is time management, organization, you know, motivation, prioritization, all that, um, potentially tutoring, um, any type of resource that's really going to allow them to be successful, but getting connected to resources on campus rather than you as the parent doing the connecting or the resourcing for them. So, I you know, if you're paying, going back to that or- original comment, if you're paying, it's it is not a question of you saying blindly like, you know what, we're going to have this conversation. I don't need to see your grades, you just tell me what they are. I have I'll just tell you from my experience in the work that I do, I have a lot of parents that come to me and say, I did not realize that they were failing because they did not. They were not honest with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of that is related to that child's relationship with their parent. Did they feel comfortable being honest? Were they fearful of the reaction? Or were they struggling with mental health issues that they either acknowledged that they had or even you know, there, there's kind of this cognitive dissonance of like, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to put it away and it'll just like disappear. Mm. Right. Like if I don't show up for class, it's okay though. I can just drop out or it'll, it'll get better. I just have to, you know, get an A on the next exam, but you study the same exact way. So you get the same type of, uh, gr- you know, letter grade, which is usually not good. So as a parent, if you are paying, in summary, <laughs> if you are paying for their education, you have every right, I would encourage you to have them sign that or, like I said, check that FERPA box, which just means that you have access to see their grades at the end of the semester. And then that way you can you can trust them in how they're doing throughout the semester. But then at the end of every term, you have the ability to actually view what their grades are, and then you have a conversation with them about what's really going on. If they've got A's and B's or whatever, like, okay, great. The trust is still there. You don't even have to have a conversation because you as a parent can log in and see it without them having to do it for you. Uh, Versus when you log in and see that they got straight F's. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened? What's going on? I know you're registered for classes next semester, but we need to have a serious conversation because if nothing's going to change, I'm not paying for another term of you to get a 0.0 GPA. Hmm. What about kids who
0: have a good GPA, who are doing well academically despite maybe dealing with a mental health issue, or dealing with maybe their substance abuse, something that parents aren't aware of? I mean, I've heard of kids who can do that, who can maintain a pretty good GPA despite battling something else. How do parents, and you know, you ask them the whole how you doing? I'm doing great, mom. Everything's fine. The grades come home. They're good. Are there any kind of warning signs or or tips for parents to look for, to just really make sure their kids are doing okay, especially now during COVID?
1: I know. Co- there's like a whole other, you know, pre-COVID response right. and then during COVID response. Um, For I'll, I'll actually say for any parent that had a young adult that actually had pre existing mental health issues prior to going to college. So whether they had an anxiety, you know, anxiety diagnosis, depression diagnosis, whether they had any type of learning disability, and it really was um, a a self-identity issue, and like they put in the work to actually succeed, chances are that's going to continue when they're in college. And then there's also this added element, again, going back to that conversation about connection. If you're struggling with peer connection in college, All of those other things are just going to be kind of exacerbated. So we want to make sure that as a parent, you've already got the resources in place. So before they even step foot on campus, you want to find a therapist that is in the local community that they will transition to work with while they're on campus. And notice how I said off, like in the community rather than an on-campus therapist. I appreciate the mental health services that are on college campuses, but they are not meant for long-term support. It is truly a, you know, one, two, three sessions solution focused, you got it get back out there kind of an approach. Um, and so if you've got somebody that just has already been seeing a therapist or, you know, is going to need to see an ongoing support, then find somebody in the local community. Same with a psychiatrist, right? Again, this, this is important. If you've got a home site and I say, I'm talking about this as if I'm as if this college student is studying in a different state even if it's a neighboring state. Make sure that their supports are still available to them. So telehealth because of COVID is now kind of like through the roof. I used to be a like anti telehealth person. Obviously it's the safest thing for people right now and it's actually providing a lot more access to professionals that they may not have had access to otherwise. So make sure you're connected to somebody uh, the psychiatrist, if they can still be receiving prescriptions from their home state, then great, keep doing that. And then just have it at a local pharmacy near their college. Or if you want to find a professional in that you know, college community, just make sure that you are actually seeking these people out at least three months in advance. Um, a lot of parents will wait until right before college starts. And realistically, the caseloads or availability for a lot of these clinicians and uh, medical professionals may not be available anymore because there are, you know, you have all these other people who were proactive in that regard. And then you factor in the element too of insurance. And that's, again, a whole other conversation because I know oftentimes parents are like, I need to find somebody that's in network, you know, in the college community. And sometimes it's just not possible. So you need to you need to actually take the time to do the research to, to filter out and interview these people so that the team is lined up before they go to college. Now, there's another thing that I want to add into all of this, which is, and I'll, I'll send you the, the link to an article I wrote. I encourage parents to fill out or research at minimum six potential forms that they want to actually have filled out before their young person goes to college. Again, this is more proactive for those that have had any type of Pre-existing um, conditions or care. But it's important for parents to know that you can, you can have those forms filled out and never need them rather than all of a sudden get a phone call from your child's, you know, dorm mate who says, Hey, your kid is in the hospital, and you as a parent don't have any release to be able to communicate with those professionals. And so talk about The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.
0: So let's talk about when your child leaves college. So Mm. dropped out left for whatever reason, maybe it was grades related, maybe it was mental health related, social related, who knows, but they come home. Now what?
1: Um, Coming home is okay. I'll start by saying that. I think it is, especially now during the pandemic, there's a lot of young people that are actually healthy in identifying college is not how I want it to be right now and 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 maybe even identifying i just don't enjoy learning virtually so until college is back in person until we're able to freely you know travel around without masks i don't want to be a part of college culture and that's okay the important thing behind all of that though is you have to have a plan as a parent you have to have structures in place you have to have boundaries in place, you have to have created a timeline. So I think it's important to know too, that, okay, college didn't work out, right? Again, going back to your example, Betsy, it could be for any reason. They've come home as a parent. Now, all of a sudden, you are parenting an 18 plus year old. And it's very easy to go back into treating them like a child. If they're under your roof, right? So there's there's the strong possibility for conflict quickly, especially if there's not a plan in place. That plan could include something like you have to get a job, or you have to be taking community college classes, or you have to be participating in internship or an externship. You have to be, you know, dot, 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 insert anything. They have to be doing something, and then there has to be a an end goal for timeline. I'm going to save money for six months, and then I'm going to move out, and I'm going to do XYZ, but I'm gonna be financially responsible for myself so I'm not under the roof with you. Or it could be something like maybe I'm not moving out, but in six months I will have saved up enough money where I'm going to start paying rent towards my parents so that I can actually start to live through what would be a typical life experience for a young adult, right? You're you're lucky in that your parents are providing for you, but this is an opportunity for you to actually start to do kind of these some of hashtag adulting skills. It could be participating in a program. it could be it literally it could be moving and volunteering. It could be living in a small micro community while taking college classes. I mean, you name it, the possibilities are endless and actually what you'll what a lot of parents don't realize, is that there are a lot of options? They think, okay, because you're not in college, the only option is for you to stay at home and work at some part time, you know, like Home Depot or Target or you know, large kind of box store, and that's it. And you're just kind of biting your time. No, 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 you don't have to do that if you don't want to. There's plenty of stuff still going on. A lot of industries have pivoted. Um, a lot of young adult transitional programs have pivoted. Um, There are safe places for you to still move forward with your life, knowing that, Hey, when you want to return back to, you know, the college that you were initially enrolled in, or you were anticipating enrolling in, you still can. But for the time being, you don't have to be on pause for your life. You can be doing things, but most important of all is you have to have a plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this last time too. I don't want you living on my couch forever. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, and
0: so you, you know, a lot about alternatives to college. So what, you know, what if your college student comes home and says, you know what, college isn't for me, I'm not going back. You do a lot of, um, counseling with families about alternatives, particularly around those who might be struggling with mental health or addiction, right? You want to talk about some of
1: that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of programs that, programs and communities that exist for this exact population. And oftentimes families don't connect with them unless it becomes more of a crisis. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, tooting the horn of these programs is like, this is actually a great proactive opportunity if you find it before the crisis kind of emerges. And what I mean by that crisis is going back to that example of all of a sudden you've got this kid who's laying on the couch unmotivated, completely lost all traction for anything related to being an adult. And as a parent, how do you literally get them off the couch and out of the house? Right. That's, that's where that example of the failure to launch in quote. And, and I struggle with that one because failure is such a, it's Mm -hmm. not that this young person has failed. It is just that there, there is a dilemma. Right. Again, it goes back to that kind of lack of motivation and, and the launching piece is real. They're struggling to launch. So how do we get them to relaunch or, or launch for the first time? And so a lot of these programs are going to be anywhere from three to 12 plus months, which again, you know, like heads exploding, like what? That's like a, that's long term. These programs are designed to instill work ethic, to be individualized and work towards what is it that you're actually interested in? Well, let's get you connected, volunteering, working a job, all of the things. Hey, we're going to help you with budgeting. We're also going to help you with getting up and getting out of bed on the days that are really hard. But all of this is surrounded where the parents aren't the one who is overseeing the child. I think that's what's most important. They're a part of a peer community. So we've got anywhere from eight to 45 plus other people. They're in the same exact kind of spot. I mean, obviously everybody's got a a different journey, but they're in the same place, a part of the same peer community for the same reasons. I just want to be moving forward with my life. They're surrounded by staff that are coaching them and supporting them they're also meeting with clinicians not just somebody that's connecting with them once a week it's like hey if something's a you know something's arising and it's 10 p.m. on a tuesday we can get your therapist on the phone it could be a 5 minute conversation it could be a 55 minute conversation what's going on but again it does not fall on the parents now i should also highlight that there's actually kind of this parallel process that's taking place so while your child your adult child is participating in this community You as a parent are also getting loaded up with resources, whether it's a parent support group, whether it's books to read, whether it's you're actually connecting with a family therapist so we can all better communicate together, you name it. it, It's dependent on the family and that young adult, but those resources also exist. So it kind of goes back to that comp, the, the original interview that we did, that transitioning from parent to partner that also exists, right? So Those resources are there. And the ultimate goal at the end of whatever this timeline is for the program is that they are more independent, more self-sufficient. I should also highlight more interdependent. So even though we're living in this pandemic world, how do you still lean on other people? for support. Because that is, as humans, we are social creatures, whether some of us will say we're antisocial or not, you do need people for support at some point in your life. So you have to figure out how to, how to ask those questions, who to ask the questions to, and then what to do with that information once you get it. Okay, great. So I figured out that I needed to you know, talk to this person about getting a job. They gave me these resources. Now what do I do with the resources? That is when you've really started to internalize how to be, uh, you know, efficient without the guidance of your parents. So these programs exist. And yes, I think there's still a lot of like focus on kind of gap year programs that are very internationally focused. And those resources still exist too. And there are some that are international that still are therapeutic based. So they've got a clinician with them or available to them, but maybe they're in a small community and, you know, insert any name of an international country. So Um, lots and lots of resources that parents just don't realize that exist. Do you have links to those on your website? Um, yes and no. So what you'll find on my business website, the lilyconsulting.com is just a list of programs that I have personally toured and a lot of, you'll find a lot of young adult transitional programs on there. Um, what I've actually recently done is create a new website and it's called collegealternative.org. Um, the idea came to fruition when a colleague of mine who's based in California, we have been talking about this idea of alternatives to college specifically for those that are, are needing some sort of therapeutic program. So again, it could be something as, as low key as hey, they had anxiety, significant anxiety in high school. And so just going to college right now is is not gonna be the opportunity for success. They need something in between. Um, and so really again, highlighting it's we're not saying that these young people aren't college ready. Uh, in fact, at least from an academic standpoint, somebody who's got a you know, 30 plus um, ACT or you know, 4.0 GPA. But from an emotional or social standpoint, they're just not ready. Um, and so what we did instead of kind of, again, pre-COVID world, we were hosting these fairs. So it was like an opportunity for somebody to learn about that. Obviously, right now, that's not the case. And so we're, we're pivoting rather, um, you know. Sharply. And so we've created this website. We've got a bunch of these programs that are creating 10 minute or less videos about their services. We've got the videos that are broken down based on category. So it could be, you know, these are great programs for young people with learning differences so that they can actually gain the skills in in a program while either enrolled in a class or not. Um, to be ready for a traditional college experience. Or we've got programs for like, hey, here are mentoring-based communities where you can just move and get a job and they'll support you. Or, hey, here are, you know, longer-term young adult transitional programs where, again, that, that kind of titration through their timeline is, sure, it's a 12-month program, but Every couple months, they're taking a step down, which means that the structure is less and the independence is more. And then that way, by the end of that kind of timeline, whether it's nine months, 12 months, whatever, that young person is gonna be as self-sufficient as they possibly could be, which also means when they do transition to college, then they've got the skills. They're savvy enough, again, to know who to ask, where to ask, when to ask, and then what to do with those resources. Because that, to me, is what truly determines whether or not somebody's going to be successful on a college campus.
0: Yeah, I just had a conversation with somebody recently about whether or not their student teen was going to be ready for college. And you and I talked about in the la- that in the last episode too the th- things that are indicators of whether or not they're ready. Um, and you make a good point. I mean, they might have the best academics and might be very involved in school and clubs and friends but they just might not be ready for whatever reason so finding those alternatives that help them not only because there's there's lots of gap year programs and I'm a huge supporter of gap year I've had J2 guides on the podcast more than once but There are gap year programs, and there are gap year programs that are going to get kids ready for that next step, right? So it's more, as you said, more therapeutic Mm -hmm. and more focused on developing the skills that they need. Um, So I'm really excited about your new website. I can't wait. By the time this airs, um, it'll be live. So I will include a link in the show notes to it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, the videos will be embedded on the site. Um, We'll have just kind of some generic information of where to look and what to ask and all of that. But most importantly is those videos from the programs. Um, Shana and I are not affiliated, like no financial ties, no like obligation for referrals. We just want to highlight these places that are great opportunities. And again, diamonds in the rough because families don't don't, you know, if, if you're in a place where you are Googling gap year, a lot of these places won't show up. So it's so important for somebody to understand that, that that net is so much wider. And if you stumble upon the gap year association website, there are some phenomenal programs that are there. And a lot of those programs will actually identify that they are not appropriate for somebody that has some significant pre-existing mental health issues or substance abuse history, or, you know, just something that, some some young person that requires more structure, more access, and, and more hand-holding. And so if that's the case, then you want to be able to stumble upon some of these in-quote in therapeutic gap year programs. Um, and so that is the ultimate goal for this website is to really get it in front of the hands of parents for a young person before they go to college. If they're taking a medical leave because they need support or all of a sudden they they or academically suspended and and needing to step away. These are all great resources that are still going to involve the skill building, but more importantly, they're going to highlight the mental health support that they need. Such a valuable resource. Thank you for creating that.
0: We're <laughs> always so filled with good information and insight. So, any last words for parents who are feeling kind of overwhelmed, lost, caught off guard that all of a sudden now their college student is home?
1: Yeah. uh, Two things. One, find your own therapist quickly because you are most likely grieving, right? That shock is there. You're also simultaneously trying to wrestle with how to be empathetic and understanding while at the same time you're dealing with this What happened? What did I miss? Right. So this narrative of shame all of a sudden just like totally snowballs. What did I do wrong as a parent? It had nothing to do with you. Right. Or maybe one percent of it had to do with you. But really, it had everything to do with your young adult. So my best advice for you is find a therapist quickly. Find somebody who's going to help you grieve what you just experienced and then the second piece is I'm, I'm actually the host of a podcast called success is subjective and, uh, also growing, but most importantly, every single person that is on this podcast talks about their emerging adult years. The theme of all of this is that success is not the same for everybody. And then it's actually more common, uh, to take a break during those young adult years, whether it's deferring your college experience, whether it's stepping away. And a lot of the stories that I have listed are not always mental health focused. It's just somebody saying, you know what? I'm just not ready for it right now. Or yeah, I did fail out of college and I didn't tell my parents and it was a huge sock, but look at me now. I got my college degree years later. I had to grow up. I had to get honest with myself. And so I've been pushing the podcast Uh, much harder for the parents that are contacting me right now, because in addition to the pandemic, it just, it is so important to hear other people's stories and know that it's going to be okay.
0: Fantastic. I am going to put links to your website, the new website, your podcast. What about anything else social or anything else you want me to include?
1: You can. Um, I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. It'll be at Lily Consulting on Instagram and Lily Consulting LLC on Facebook. Most of the information that goes out on both of those channels is for parents, so definitely uh, take a look if you're on either of those type of social media platforms and get connected if you need help. I mean, I'm I'm talking to parents. I talk to more parents. This will be the last thing I say. I talk to more parents than I have who actually hire me. And a lot of it, it's on the proactive end. Hey, I just found out that my kid got a 1.0 GPA for his first semester in college. He is a smart student. Uh, what do I need to do differently to encourage him to make sure he's doing better this second time around? And so I'll just rattle through quickly on the phone free of charge. Here's what he needs to be doing. And also here's what you as a parent need to be doing. And if it doesn't work, then call me at the end of the spring semester, because we need to make some significant changes. Great. You're so awesome.
0: I'm <laughs> right back at I'm you. <laughs> so glad our paths crossed. You you really are. You're so helpful and you have such a heart for, for helping kids find their way and man, we need more of that. So thanks again for being here. I'm so grateful that you took the time to be here again. And you'll be back again in the future, right? Wink, wink.
1: (laughs) Anytime. Thanks again for having me.
0: Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would take a minute and give me a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they're available. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page, and please consider joining me and my co-host Jay DuSold in our Life After 12th Facebook group, where we provide encouragement and help for parents of career confused teens and 20-somethings. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found on the show notes page on my website at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. The High School Hamster Wheel podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Hi, this is Kim Thompson, host of Storytime Anytime, a podcast packed with songs, stories, and a whole lot of learning fun. Each episode will explore a new topic like dinosaurs, sharks, space travel, chemistry, horses, reptiles, and so much more. New episodes are out every other week, so check us out. Wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. It's really story time and music at its best, exclusively for kids.